This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. If you look up, you will see some new lights. Whoa, yes. Yeah, yeah, even the light guys are on it, yes. Uh, That was sort of necessary as preparation for our Sunday evening service, so... Uh, We've had a bunch of people in here working very hard at that, and uh, so uh, there you go. There's a little bit of our preview for Sunday night. It's going to be a great, fun time. I know you're going to enjoy that, and I want to reiterate what Justin just said. Two weeks from today, just plan to come Sunday morning and Sunday night. You're going to get blessed both times, and you'll have a wonderful opportunity to see what you're inviting your friends and neighbors to. So... For those of you who are brand new, first-time guests, my name is Ron. That was Justin who was just up here. And it's my privilege to teach us over the next few minutes out of God's Word, which is the Bible. And we're going to learn some really practical things about life this morning. In fact, we're going to talk about our struggle with obedience. And uh, so we've got some fun things to do about that. But I said last week I might have a little surprise for us this morning. So put your eyes on the screen and take a look at a building you probably know. Whoa, this is not the right one. Time out. That was close. We should have a slide of the Sydney Opera House. Can we find that up there? All right, you're going to have to use your imagination, all right? So look at the screen and just imagine the Sydney Opera House up there. Why would I show you a picture of the Sydney Opera House? Yeah. No, that's not our new home, all right? But I have some exciting things to tell you about, about that building. Because one of our very own people, you never know where the reach of a church is going to go, but one of our very own people is in that building right now setting up for two huge concerts to present the gospel of Christ by a 300-person choir and some very famous recording artists from mainland China. They are coming to present the gospel to the huge Chinese population of the Sydney area. And our own Foster, yes. Foster, who plays the drums for us, is there setting up all the audio and the visual. And that's all going to take place next Sunday. So would you pray about that this week? That there would be a whole bunch of people who would come to know Jesus. Because it's just another way in which you never know when God's going to give a message to someone right here saying, hey, I have a little assignment for you half a world away. And uh, so there you go. You just never know what God's going to do. Now let's talk about obedience. Now we can cue the video. Are you ready? Take a look at the video. We have to do better than this. Are we ready with the video? No, we're okay. You did see the dog, right? A while ago. Did you see the little doggy treat on his nose? Yes, yes. You know the trick, right? Stay, 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 
stay. Okay. What does the dog do? Snatches the treat right out of midair. You know, when I saw that video, you know, I was thinking about Jonah and I was thinking about his encounter, which we're going to tell you the whole story over the next four weeks. And I was just thinking about all that stuff. And and I had a strange thought that occurred to me. I wonder if God ever wishes he was working with dogs and not people. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. Knowing how much all of us struggle with obedience. In fact, that's the basic assumption that I'm going to make on the way in as I talk about obedience. And that is, we all struggle with obedience. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, It's safe to say that none of us here like the thou shalt nots. Right? We struggle with that. Uh, Don't walk on the grass. There's something on the inside of us that says... Oh, yeah. Just to put one foot over there. Yeah. Don't touch wet paint. I wonder if they're telling me the truth. It doesn't make a difference what the thou shalt. But you know, as I thought about it, we don't like the thou shalts any better than the thou shalt nots. There's just something on the inside of us. It's part of our fallen human nature. It's part of, it's part of who we are. It's built way down into the core of us that we all struggle with obedience. And this morning, we're going to take a look at, at sort of a four-step process that God takes us through to help us with obedience. But I want to say something to you up front, and I want to reiterate it as we go through, and that is... The reason that God works with us on the concept of obedience is not because he wants to control us. Believe it or not, God's not a control freak. He doesn't even have control issues. You see, God knows what's best for you and what's best for me. And he calls us to that because he loves us. And when we wander from that path and we stray from that path, he'll do almost anything he can to get us back on that path because he knows that outside of that path is always less than what's on that path. And what's outside of that path can oftentimes even be destructive. Whereas what's on the path is always constructive. And I wish I could tell you that this book of Jonah, it's only four short chapters. And even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard of the guy who got swallowed by the big fish. That's the guy we're talking about. Only four short chapters in this tiny little book in the Bible. And I wish I could tell you that by the end of the book, Jonah got it. I wish I could tell you by the end of the book that Jonah finally realized that God's plan for him was better than any plan he could have come up with on his own. But the truth is, the book ends with Jonah, a very sad guy, still struggling to believe that God's way was better than his. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we don't follow in that path of Jonah. Because God has so much more for us. So, let's talk about obedience. Let's jump right in. Now, Before, in order for you to get the most out of this, you're going to have to open your programs. Pull out two things. Pull out the teaching notes and pull out the long skinny card that says 
start here on one side and connect card on the other side. And just to take care of some business right up front, would you please put your name and your email address on the side that says start here? Even if you're a first-time guest, I'm going to ask you to do that because we want to help you get connected with God and we have to have a way to get a hold of you. We will uh, act with complete integrity. We're not going to send you junk mail. Give your email address to anybody else. But we, we do want to have the opportunity to say thank you for coming and to help you get connected with God. So if you give us your name and email address, it gives us a way to get started. Now, Jonah chapter 1 begins like this, and I'm going to ask you to read out loud the portion of each section that we're going to read that's underlined. So you ready? Okay. Oh, no. It's in all caps. There you go. Ready? So you got to read with me right up front. Ready? Here we go. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Let's read that again. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. I won't get into great detail about the wickedness of this city, but it was legendary for violence. Okay? For instance, it was not uncommon for them to conquer a city, kill virtually everyone who was in the city, cut off their noses and put their noses on sticks around the city as a sign of what happens when you disobey this government. Okay? Pretty bad place. It was the capital of the, of the kingdom of Assyria. And God said to Jonah, I want you to get up and go to that place. So what's the message in that for us? Well, I want all of us to know and understand right up front. Here's principle number one. God has a message for you today. Now, much of God's message for you is contained in the Bible. And as you pick up the Bible and read it, God will speak to you out of his word. But there's also ways that God will speak to you on a day-to-day basis in your spirit. And you'll just know this is the right thing to do and God's sort of messing with my conscience to get me to do that or I'm doing something that's wrong and God's speaking to me in my conscience and He's saying you shouldn't be doing that. And the truth is if you came this morning with an open heart and you're ready to hear from God God will have a specific message or two for you this morning based upon where you are in life and what's happening in your life. And my prayer for you is that you came this morning with an open heart so that I'm not going to do this, but if I did, if I stood by the back door and I said to you, every one of you on the way out, what was God's message for you this morning? You could look me in the eye and say, this is what God wanted to work on my life this week and this is what I'm leaving to go work on. He has a message for you. Now, right away, some of, you are going to, some of you are going to be confronted with a struggle because you're surrounded by people who are all the time saying, God said to me, God said to me, and you turn on the TV and you hear some televangelist saying, God said to me, and you listen to what follows and you think, I'm pretty sure God didn't say that. <laughs> I have that same struggle. Can I just give you a little encouragement? Don't let their abuse of this principle rob you of the joy that could be yours if you didn't abuse it. Are you on board with that? Yeah. 
Because God, our, the God that we worship, the God that we sang about this morning, the God that we praised this morning is not a distant God who sort of authored a book and said, figure it out. This is a God who loves us to the point that he wants to be daily interactive in our lives. And if we will listen, he actually has messages for us every day. And he's calling us to just draw near. It's the same God who gave the message to Jonah is here to give the message to you and me. But here's my concern. I've noticed in my own life that usually when God gives me a message, there's some part of it that challenges me. I don't think I've ever gotten a message from God that was sort of in the same vein as, get thou up and go to 31 flavors and order a big ice cream. There's no struggle in that one, right? But usually when God has a message for us, it's for our good, but it's got a challenge in it. And that's the reason why it's His message to us. Because if it didn't have any challenge in it, we'd already be doing it. Does that make sense? God's not going to call us to do something we're already doing. He's going to call us to do something we're not doing yet. Or to stop something that we're doing, that we shouldn't be doing. Now, I've noticed in my own life that that struggle always sort of centers around two concepts. And the first concept is the concept of trust. How do I respond when God gives me a message and He tells me to do something that doesn't make sense to me? That's a trust issue. Now, by the way, we all did this with our children. Don't run out in the street. To a two-year-old who looks at his parents, he thinks, why? What could be wrong with that? It looks like a great place to play. Can you think of a better place to ride your tricycle than out in the street? It's all paved. Yeah, it looks great to them. But there's a trust issue there. And and hence the struggle with obedience. God says to you and me, turn the other cheek. Does that make sense to you? This one hurts, so I'll give you this one? No, but that's a better way to live than smack them back, I can tell you that. But on the inside, it doesn't feel that intuitive. And I could go through a whole bunch of things that God calls us to do or tells us not to do that right now, where we are, don't make a lot of sense. So there's a trust issue. Am I going to trust God? Now, there's also another area where we struggle, and that is sometimes we struggle with the issue of will. Where God says, you should be doing that, and we know I should be doing that, but I don't want to. That's not a trust issue. That's a will issue. My will against God's will. I just want to tell you, regardless of what you're struggling with this morning, in God's message to you, you've got to recognize that He's calling you to the path of obedience. Because there's always more on the path than there is off. Right? Absolutely right. So how does Jonah respond to God's call? Here we go. The next verse, Jonah chapter 3, I mean chapter 1 verse 3. 
You ready to read? Here we go. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Wow. To get away from the Lord. By the way, how far did he go? The destination that Jonah picked was 3,000 miles from his assignment. I guess if you're going to wander, wander big. Right? He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Good plan or bad plan? Bad plan. Lesson number two. Here it is. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. It's just that easy. You know how easy this is? When you want to do something that's wrong, your buddies and your girlfriends come out of the woodwork to encourage you to do what's wrong. You're struggling with marijuana and you know you should give it up and you talk to your buddy, oh, hey, come smoke a toke with me. You can always find a ship that's going in the wrong direction. It's easy. Now listen to me. This is a real message. If all you need in your own heart and mind to justify doing what you know is wrong or not doing what you know is right, if all you need is the confirmation of a person or two, you won't have to look far. They are everywhere. And by the way, they're more than willing to take the trip with you. You can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. College students... I don't care what college you go to. You could go to a Christian college and you can always find people in a Christian college that are on a boat going in the wrong direction. By the way, the reverse of this is also true. When you really want to do what's right, you can always find a ship sailing in the right direction. You could be in the worst educational environment. You could be in the most anti-God college you can imagine, and you will always be able to find a group of students there who are sailing with Christ and going in the right direction. What you look for determines what ship you get on. That makes sense to you? Yeah. A week and a half ago, my wife and I watched the History Channel. We watched the miniseries, The Hatfields and the McCoys. Legendary feud out of our country's history. You know what I was amazed by in that? Those people were shooting each other and quoting the Bible. What's up with that? They even got the pastor on their side. You can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction and people on it will even be quoting the Bible. Misquoting, out of context. Don't ever for a minute think that just because you can get three or four or five or twenty or thirty or even several thousand people to agree with you that that means that what you're about to do is what God is calling you to do. Because you can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. That's how Jonah responded. How did God respond to Jonah? Next verse. Next several. Ready? Let's read it out loud. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. Wow. 
causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. This is a scary situation, isn't it? This is actually a costly situation. I want you to understand something right now. Okay? Let me give you an illustration. Okay? And I don't mean to heap guilt on anybody who's here, but I do mean to speak directly to you. We have this thing in our nation that sex outside of marriage, as long as it's between two consenting adults, is harmless and therefore there's no downside to it. Now listen to me. I'm sure that Jonah thought when he went to Joppa and he bought a ticket and he got on a ship and he sailed in the opposite direction that God was calling him to, he reasoned, no one will get hurt by this but me. Right? How can anybody else get hurt? This is a choice I'm making and I'm sailing in the opposite direction of God And if God's going to punish anybody, He'll punish me and no one else. No one else will get hurt. It's just me. And frankly, I don't see any harm in me not going to Nineveh because that's a bad place anyway. If there's ever a people who didn't deserve God's message, it would be that gang. So he had all these justifiable reasons why it was okay for him to walk away from God. Now I want you to think and I want you to hear this. In the end, was Jonah the only one who got hurt? No. And I will guarantee this. Whatever it is, and I'm not just talking about sex outside of marriage at this point. I'm talking about all sorts of other things that we sort of reason and say, it's kind of only my deal and nobody's going to get hurt but me. When the final tally has been added up, you will find that far more than just you got hurt. It's always that way you can't see it going in but it is true now he goes on so then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm and when they did this the lots identified jonah as the culprit why has this awful storm come down on us they demanded who are you what is your line of work what country are you from what is your nationality and jonah answered I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven. Boy, uh, Jonah, what part of what you're doing now is worship? You talk about someone who's stretching the truth. Yes, he's a Hebrew, but he's not a worshiper of God. Oh, he might at certain times, but he's actually set his life in the opposite direction from God. But he wants to claim he worships God. He goes on to say, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. You know, he should have had a big sign that said, Danger! I'm running from God. Could I get a ticket on your ship? Friends, the best thing you can do when one of your friends or one of your family members is just set their, set their mind to run away from God, 
Don't get on board that ship with them, but lovingly call them onto a better path, the path of obedience. And by the way, when you see that in your own heart, wake up. Now, I want you to notice in that story, did, did Jonah admit this on his own or did he not admit it till he got called out? He didn't admit it till he got called out. Can I tell you that's okay? This morning, God's going to call some of us out on some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes in our lives. Thank God he does that. He loves us. The worst thing that God could have done was just let Jonah go. Fine. Sell your 3,000 miles away and stay away from me. What are you going to do then? You're going to live the rest of your life separated from God? You're going to die and go into eternity separated from God? Worst thing God could have done was let Jonah go. God sent the storm because he loved Jonah. And he had to get his attention. Whoa. Principle. Are you ready for a principle? The bigger the rebellion, the bigger the storm. Was Jonah determined? Even after the storm came and Jonah knew the reason of the storm, did he pray? Nope. He didn't, he didn't want anything to do with God. God was trying to get his attention. He finally got called out. By the way, we all need to be called out. I got called out not too long ago. I went to see a Christian counselor because of some stuff that I was struggling with and I needed another perspective. And I sat down and I laid out for this Christian counselor a struggle I was having in my life. And I thought it was a struggle of, of humility. He listened to the condition I laid out. Friends, I would have bet all the money in the world in the opposite direction. He looked me right in the eye and he said, you realize that's just plain pride. Hello? I, I, I was flabbergasted. But you know, I needed to be called out on that and to be given a proper perspective on that and, and to see it as it truly was because my own heart had deceived me. That's why it's important to have really good friends because your really good friends won't just go, yeah, you're good, yeah, you're good. Every once in a while they go, whoa, time out. I love you, but that's not good. Because we all need to be called out from time to time. It's how God gets our attention. Now here's the deal. When you get called out by a friend who loves you, listen! Because if you don't, you get a storm. Would you rather be called out or get a storm? I'd rather be called out. If I listen, when I get called out, I avoid the storm. If I don't listen, then God has no choice but to send a storm. And that is the principle. It says, well, hang on. He says, So, the sailors, when they heard this, were terrified. And they said, Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm was all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Look at this. He converted these guys on the ship. 
You know, if Jonah ended after Jonah chapter 3, we would declare him to be the greatest preacher who ever lived. Because everyone Jonah preached to repented. And they all became worshipers of God here, even on the ship. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. The sailors picked up Jonah. They threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Wow. Here's the point, okay? Number three, when you disobey... God may send a storm to get your attention. Some of you are probably in a storm right now. My prayer is this morning that you recognize the storm. You're willing to say to God, I recognize that what I'm going through right now is because of my disobedience to you. And I'm so thankful that you love me enough to send a storm in my life to call me back. And you didn't just let me go. So, that's how God responded to Jonah's disobedience. Let's see how the chapter ends. Here it is. Ready? Let's read out loud. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Oh, my goodness. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, friends, i got to tell you, that was Jonah's worst nightmare. When he got thrown into the ocean, he's thinking, oh, I don't know how this is all going to end. And all of a sudden he looks up there and and he's like, oh, this is going to (laughs) hurt. I want you to understand the principle. Are you ready for this principle? It's the greatest principle of the whole chapter. If you miss this, the first three don't make any difference. Here it is. Take a look. The same God who raises your storm prepares your fish. You got it? The same God. This week, when you recognize that storm, you know what's in every storm that God causes? There's a fish. And you know what the fish represents? The opportunity to start over again. Right. Because if you know the story, Jonah's in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. The fish burps him out on the land. And Jonah gets to go and fulfill what God originally called him to do. And I want you to know right now that every storm that God brings into your life and mine has a fish in it. And it's God's way to give us a second chance to do what we should have done the first time. My prayer for you this week is that you recognize both the storm and the fish because both are demonstrations of God's great love for you. So what's his message for you today? I pray that you hear it. And I know there will be people in your life who who will be in a ship sailing the wrong direction. I pray you don't get on it. Nothing good will happen when you do. If you're in the midst of a storm, I pray that you recognize the storm. And then I pray that you find the fish God has prepared. So that you get a second chance. You can make it right. You can start all over again. How are we going to apply this? We have three great areas to apply it in today as we wrap it up. Why don't you take out your Connect card? Because they're all on your Connect card. And that's where I'm going to want you to record 
your, your decisions today. And the first one is in the story of Jonah. It's our whole lesson in a nutshell. And the first one is, I know what God's message is for me this morning. And I pray that virtually everyone in the audience this morning, that you know what God's message is for you today. You know that area of struggle in your life, and you know what God is calling you to do about it. But here's the point. I know what God's message is, and I'm committing myself to what? What's the next two words? Follow through. When? This week. Okay, if you're ready to jump on board with God, and you're ready to, to, to get on the right path, then I pray that that's the commitment that you make. There's a second way in which we get to apply this message this morning, and that is on July the 1st, we have a baptism service. And some of us right here, God's already been talking to, and that's one of our next steps in obedience. And so we're going to give you the opportunity to commit to that this morning so that we can sit down with you and properly follow up so that you know what that's all about. And some of you already know what that's all about, and you're ready to do that. So this is your way to sign on board two different ways. Ready? I'm deciding to be baptized on July 1st. Or I'd like to have some information. I'd like to receive information about baptism. Because for some of you, you might not know enough in order to make that decision. But kind of in your heart, you know, I should look into that. Well, this is your opportunity to do that. And to say, okay, if that's the message God's giving me this morning, I want to respond to that. So that I can get on board with Him and follow through with that. And then the third way, the third different arena that we get to apply this in is the Sunday evening service. And there's actually two ways that we get to apply this about the Sunday evening service, which starts on what day? That was resounding. Which starts on what day? July the 8th. When's the preview service? June 24th. When does the service actually begin? July 8th. All right. Here's, here's our goal, okay? We would love to have 80 to 100 adults make the Sunday evening service their regular service for the rest of this year. Okay, why 80 to 100? Because we have a great desire to reach the people of our city. And when they come in, if there's only like 20 or 30 adults in here, they feel like, ooh, um, this feels like a family setting. And I'm definitely not part of this family yet. But there's 8,200. Then they feel like they can get lost in the crowd a little bit. And there's a much higher likelihood that they would actually know somebody already who's in the crowd. And that always makes them feel more at home. So here's the first way that you can respond. I will make this Sunday evening service my regular service for the rest of this year. And I'm going to pray in just a minute. If God is saying to you, why don't you do that? That would be a great thing for you to do. I know it would require a little sacrifice and you'd have to change your Sunday routine. But I want you to be one of those 80 to 100 adults. Then I want you to check that. Then the second thing that you could do, even if you don't make the Sunday evening service your regular service, you could commit to serving in that service once a month for the rest of this year. That's only six times. Once in July, once in August, once in September. You got, you got the routine, right? It's only six times for the rest of the year. But you could be part of our guest services. You could be part of our kids' life. You could be part of our construction zone. Serve once a month for six months and create that wonderful space for a whole new group of people to come and hear the teaching of Jesus. And you could do that even if you were still going to Sunday morning. I already know some people who are doing that. 
My Sunday morning, that's when I'm going to regularly go to church, but six times during the rest of the year, I'm going to come on that Sunday night, and I'm going to serve on that Sunday night as well. So I'm going to pray, and then you make your commitments to God. Listen to Him and respond. Father, thank you so much for my friends who are here to listen, who are here to learn, who are here to say, God, would you speak into my life? Father, thank you so much that you do. That whenever we say, God, speak into my life, there's never just an ominous silence where you don't say anything because you're always trying to get a message through to us. Open our hearts and our ears that we could hear. Whether it's knowing what your message is about our daily life and responding to that, may this be a great week of spiritual growth and and of, of improvement of our own personal lives because we're hearing your message and responding. For those of us, Father, that you're calling into baptism, would you help us to respond so that that, that could be just an awesome service where you are just blessed, just overwhelmingly blessed by our obedience and desire to, to come and join you in that. And Lord, would you work through us this morning to begin to build that group of 80 to 100 adults who will become the core of that service. For those of us that you want to serve, Would you call us to those six times of service that we might be a church that goes out of its way to take the teaching of Jesus to our entire community. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.